fans to episode number 39 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers, of course, yesterday coming off of a tough 4-3 shootout loss in Anaheim against the Ducks. Really just a total gut punch loss. It's always hard to lose a game whenever you basically lead the whole way through. Now, I know the Ducks came back and they tied it a couple times, so the Rangers didn't have the lead from the start right until the end, but the Ducks... They never led in this game until the score went final and they won in the shootout. So it's always tough to lose a game in, in fashion such as that. And really, I would say this is one of the toughest losses of the season for the Rangers. The one thing that keeps it from maybe being among the most difficult defeats is just the fact that, you know, they did get a point out of this. So you, you salvage a point. So if you want to be glass half full, you got a point on the road. And it was the final game of a four-game road trip. And on this road trip, the Rangers went 2-1-1. One, and one. That is five points out of a possible eight. That really is not bad. And probably going into this road trip, if you would have told me, if maybe a lot of you guys as well, hey, the Rangers can get five out of eight points here. Will you sign up for that? I think a lot of us probably would have said yes. I probably would have had to say yes to that. You know, overall, a fairly successful road trip for the Rangers. But this was a tough loss. It was not a banner night for Henrik Lundqvist. I'm not going to totally kill him because he did face 42 shots. He stopped 39 of them, and he did make some good saves in this game, but it's difficult to ignore the second and third goals that the Ducks scored. And I'm not even I'm not even going to worry too much about the shootout because the shootout, you get there, it's a bit of a coin toss, but I think the biggest concern is the second and third goals that Lundqvist gave up the second one, you know, he basically just really overcommitted to, I believe it was Henrique coming in from the left side and just really, like, came out of his crease to meet him, and Henrique didn't shoot, and he passed back to a defenseman, and then Lundqvist is completely out of the net, out of his crease, and he tries to scramble back and, and dive back across the crease, but by then it's too late, so not sure what was going on there. Really not the kind of goal you're used to seeing Henrik Lundqvist give up, and then with the Rangers clinging to a 3-2 lead in the closing minutes, you know, kind of another soft goal. Again, a shot from the blue line. And it might have deflected off of Ryan Lindgren's stick. But even if it did, that didn't really alter the trajectory of the puck too much, I didn't think. And somehow it just got through Lundqvist. And just like that, the game is tied at three. And then, of course, go to overtime and then to the shootout. And then ultimately, the Rangers fall four to three. So a really tough loss. But if you want to be glass half full, you know, it, it you can look at the fact that the Rangers, again, took five out of eight points on this road trip, coming home and going to be back in the Garden Monday night at home against the Nashville Predators at 7 p.m. But with a performance like this, and I will be shocked if Lundqvist is back in net on Monday. I think at this point, you got to go back to Georgiev. Now, Georgiev played three games in a row while Lundqvist was out with a minor ailment, and since then, it's been Lundqvist, Georgiev, Lundqvist. And now that Lundqvist, you know, coming off of a game, which again, I don't think this game, he made some nice saves. I, I don't want to just sit here and just, just slaughter him for his performance in this game, but it was not a great night for Henrik Lundqvist. Not very likely to show up on his career highlight reel. And I just think right now, you know, the Rangers have gone with this hot hand approach throughout the season. Right now, it's Georgiev. Georgiev has been great recently, and I think that he will certainly be back out there on Monday night against the Predators. And if Georgiev plays well again, then look out. I mean, this could be Georgiev's job to lose at that point. 
And again, I'm not giving up on Lundqvist. He did look good at certain points in this game. But right now, Georgiev is a better goalie. I mean, there's there's no two ways to say it. Georgiev has, has just flat out outplayed Lundqvist in recent games, certainly in the month of December. And I think you just got to roll with him right now. Brendan Lemieux back in the lineup for the Rangers. He missed just the one game with the injury. And, you know, he's actually out there on the fourth line tonight. And that seemed a little strange at first, but I think maybe this was done as a way to just kind of limit his ice time. I mean, I don't know. The, the, again, the Rangers, they play it very close to the vest when it comes to these injuries. You never really know for sure what's going on. But I think maybe just the fact that he's coming off of an injury and working his way back in there, maybe putting him on the fourth line, a way to just kind of limit his minutes because the fourth line by nature on most teams is going to see the less, the least amount of ice time. But anyway, just to go through the whole lineup real quick, Panarin, Strome, Kako on the top line. They keep those three together. Second line is Abanajad, centering Buchnevich and Kreider. Then on the third line, you've got Heedle, McKegg, and Faust. And then on the fourth line, Howden with Lemieux and Brendan Smith. Defense pairings pretty much all the same. Brady Shea and Jacob Truba. Mark Stahl and Tony D'Angelo. Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. And of course, Henrik Lundqvist in net. So we'll dive right in here, just kind of go period by period. And then I'm going to wrap up with just a few more thoughts on the goalie situation. And also provide an update on Kraftsoff, who now is back with the Hartford Wolfpack. But the game starts. Mika Zibanejad scores a goal just 10 seconds into the action. He forces a turnover, basically just swoops into the duck zone, intercepts the puck, goes in alone, pulls the puck to his backhand, and scores over Gibson. one nothing Rangers just 10 seconds into the action. The Rangers' all-time record for fastest goal in a game is just 9 seconds, so Mika Zibanejad missing out by just a single tick. But regardless, a great goal here. He swoops in to intercept the puck and force the turnover and just goes in and does what he does and finishes on the doorstep. I really don't know what the Ducks were thinking here. Just really an ill-advised pass in their own zone. Not really anything to gain even if you connect on this pass. So just kind of a weird play by them. But Zibanejad makes them pay for it right away. one nothing Rangers. So then the Rangers get in on the forecheck. Just a couple minutes later here, Gibson has the puck behind the net. He plays it along the boards, and then Strom takes control, passes to Panarin right at the left faceoff circle, and Panarin with a quick wrist shot scores far side. 19 goals for the bread man. Strom and Panarin just continue to click, and it's 2 to nothing Rangers. Less than four minutes into the action here. And both of these goals, the Ducks just sloppy with the puck in their own zone. On this occasion, you know, Gibson had the puck and just tried to play it along the boards, and the Rangers forced the turnover. And just a great play by Strom, getting the puck to Panarin. And then Panarin, you know, it's academic at that point. He's got a great chance to score anytime he gets the puck in a spot like this. And he now has a goal in four consecutive games. So he's just on fire right now. Zibanejad is on fire right now. Those guys are good enough to begin with, and they're always dangerous. But when you've got, when you're the Rangers and you've got your two superstars, both this hot and both clicking like this, it's big time and it's going to lead to a lot of wins. And that was huge in this road trip here. I mean, both those guys, Panarin and Zibanejad, we know they're dangerous. Even if both of you... Even if either one of them goes through, like, you know, a five-game pointless streak, you know that they're still dangerous. But the bottom line is both those guys are just on fire right now. And when that is the case, the Rangers, a very, very dangerous team. So just a couple minutes into this game and everything going the Rangers' way, I mean, even after the two goals here, they continue to just buzz on Anaheim's side of the ice, really moving the puck around. You're even hearing some Let's Go Rangers chants on the road early in this game. But then something happens that kind of turns the tide, at least momentarily, and lets the Ducks back into the game. And I want you all to just take a crazy wild guess. Just throw something out there. First thing that comes to your mind, what was the thing that happened in this game to turn it around? Yes, a bad penalty against the Rangers. Adam Fox goes off for a high-sticking penalty. He just kind of clips Getzloff in the face, 
And look, I know he didn't do it on purpose, but you just got to be a little bit more careful than that. You can't take pen. I mean, penalties are going to happen. We acknowledge that. But again, you can't take penalties in spots like this. You have a chance. This team is on the ropes early in this game, in their own building. They're even getting some booze. The fans are turning on them. You have a chance to really just kind of grab this game by the throat. And when you take a penalty like that, you're not only killing your own momentum, but you're giving them a chance to immediately get back into the game. And unfortunately, that's what happens. For the most part, I thought this is a pretty good penalty kill by the Rangers. But then late in the man advantage for the Ducks, Lindholm takes a slap shot and Silverberg deflects it home. I'm not going to put this one on Lundqvist. Again, I, I know people have been critical of Lundqvist in this game, but on this one, you got to understand it's a deflection. Those are really tough to stop. There was a lot of traffic in front of Lundqvist on this play. And Silverberg, you know, when somebody deflects the puck, you know, right in front of you, it's it's not always easy to to react like a cat and come up with it. And, you know, this one deflected in the net. Not going to put this one on Lundqvist. Uh, just a good Power play for the Ducks, I suppose. You know, the Rangers, again, they, they were good early in this penalty kill, but the Ducks eventually kind of set up shop. They stayed with it despite not getting a lot of opportunities early in this power play. And they come through here with a goal, and just like that, 2-1 to one Rangers, 11 minutes left in the first period at that point. But yeah, it was disappointing tonight to see the Rangers' special teams units kind of fail them because those units have both been so good during this road trip and maybe even in a game or two before the road trip began. Power play, you know, making things happen in the penalty kill, really kind of holding firm and, and not giving up too many goals. You need when the when you take as many penalties as the Rangers, you gotta have a good penalty kill. And the Rangers still in the bottom third overall, but they had been better recently. The penalty kill had played well, but not so much tonight. The Ducks go two for four on the man advantage. So two of their three goals coming on the power play, and then the Rangers go 0 for two on the power play. And the Rangers take 10 penalty minutes overall. Now, the Ducks only got four power plays out of that because there were matching minors in the one instance. But I think overall, if you can maybe just limit your opposition to three power play opportunities or less per night, I think that's acceptable. I think that's a good goal for the Rangers. You know, maybe if they can somehow going forward, keep it around maybe just like three penalties per night. I don't think we're asking for the world when we say that. You know, you just got to be disciplined. And you got to be smart. I know sometimes penalties are going to happen. You know, no teams are going to go through the whole season and not take their fair share of penalties. But yeah, I think three or less per night, that's a reasonable goal. And then you just kind of cross your fingers when you do go into the penalty box and you just hope that the penalty kill can come through for you. Unfortunately, that was not the case tonight and the Rangers couldn't make anything happen on their power play either. And really, that's the difference of the game. I mean, not the total difference, but that's one of the reasons why this game was in overtime because the Ducks took advantage of their power plays. The Rangers did not. Rangers get an opportunity to strike back with about two minutes left in the first period here. McKaig and Heedle go in on a two-on-one. McKaig basically skates across the left circle, drives to the net, tries to power his way past Gibson and bring the puck to his backhand as he crosses the crease, but Gibson keeps the puck out. There was a scramble in front of the net shortly thereafter, and then Lemieux passed from behind the net to set up Brett Howden in the slot, but a great stop by Gibson. Howden, you know, I do think Brett Howden has played a little bit better recently, but he's just not quite able to finish on some of these plays. He, he's just a little bit snake-bitten right now. Not going to give up on Brett Howden just yet, but going forward this season, Rangers going to need to get a little bit more out of Brett Howden. I think that's a fair assessment. And then shortly after, Kako goes in, full head of steam, and he didn't shoot on this one, but I'll defend him here because I really don't think he had much of a shot. He could have shot, yes, but it was going to be a very low percentage opportunity. It would have been from a really tough angle. Gibson had him squared up. Gibson was in position. And as Kako's momentum is taking him kind of beyond the goal line, he's still got the puck, and he attempts to pass back in front. He can't connect, 
But again, you know, I don't think there was much there as much as, you know, a, a shooting opportunity for Kako. I know we've been a little tough on him, wanting him to shoot the puck more. I know Ranger fans in general just want to see this kid shoot and just see what he's got. But in this instance, yes, he could have shot, but he wasn't going to score on this. I mean, there, there was no room to operate. Tough angle, and Gibson was right there. He had a clean look at him as well. So I think not a bad play here, opting to pass, even though he did not hit on the pass attempt. So overall, a strong conclusion of the first period for the Rangers. They don't score, but they did have the better play here in about the last 2 minutes and 30 seconds or so. So we go to the second period, and the Ducks find the equalizer just about a minute in, and I really don't know what Lundqvist was doing on this play. Adam Henrique is carrying the puck in down the left wing, and Lundqvist moves hard to his right. He's committed to stopping Henrique here. You know, he really wants to kind of cut him off. The problem, however, is that Henrik never shot the puck, and Lundqvist moves so aggressively and so far out of his crease toward Henrik that as soon as Henrik decided not to shoot, the Rangers were in big-time trouble, especially Lundqvist, because Henrik basically just threw the puck back to the blue line to Goodbranson, and Goodbranson at this point, all he has to do is put the puck on net because Lundqvist is so far out of his crease and so far removed from being able to make a play on the puck that all Branson has to do is basically just put the puck on net. It's basically like shooting into an empty net. And he does that. Now, Lundqvist, he got back up and he dove back to his left to try to, you know, basically just kind of snag the, the puck. But he can't get there in time. It's 2-2 two to two just like that. And this was just way, way too easy. I mean, basically anybody could have scored a goal here. And just I, I just don't know what Lundqvist was doing on this one. I mean, I got to be fair. It was a really bad goal to allow. And just like that, the game is tied at 2-2. Two to two. And that was just the start of what was basically a disastrous second period for the Rangers. Pretty much everything that could go wrong did go wrong here, except for maybe not so much on the scoreboard because that was the only goal of the second period, so it's 2-2. Two to two. The Ducks had a lot of chances to take the lead, and Lundqvist did make some really nice saves in the second period, so I think you got to at least give him some credit for keeping this game tied for you know as long as he did here because the Rangers were just under fire. Just a, a terrible period. They couldn't get anything going offensively. They took penalties. There were giveaways with the puck, just sloppy play in their own zone. They were outshot 18-3. to The forecheck was non-existent. A couple of times, they would dump the puck into the zone, and then they would just all forget to go in there and chase it. And the Ducks would just calmly corral the puck behind their net and just skate it right back out. There was an incident where Strom and Panarin were not on the same page, and not going to kill them because they've both been excellent, and they've had such a good season playing together. But they do turn the puck over in the neutral zone, and it leads to Sam Steele going in alone, and he's pretty much going in uncontested. And he doesn't get much on his shot, however, because Stahl slashes him from behind, and Stahl takes the penalty. It's not on Mark Stahl here. I mean, it was a golden opportunity for the Ducks, and Stahl had to do what he had to do to prevent a goal. But bottom line, sloppy play with the puck leads to a penalty against the Rangers, and the Ducks go on the power play. And solid penalty kill here by the Rangers. They they kill it off. But then right after that, you know, Ryan Lindgren makes a bad play. He's back in his own zone with the puck. He's kind of giving ground, and he's along the boards, and he has the puck taken away from him by Steele, kind of in the corner. And Lindgren, after he has the puck stolen, he's down on the ice, and he immediately reaches out and trips up his man. So Lindgren's got to be better with the puck here. The Rangers have to be more composed in their own zone in this situation because Steele was the only guy in on the forecheck for the Ducks. So it's a situation that you need to be able to handle. You know, it's just one guy. So either, if you're Lindgren, either skate the puck back behind your net or move the puck, play it along the boards really in either direction, and your your teammate's going to get it. But unfortunately, Steele, you know, he went in there, he just kind of picks Lindgren's pocket, and it results in Lindgren having to take a penalty. Fortunately for the Rangers, they 
do kill off that power play as well. So the PK kind of bailing them out a little bit, at least here in the second period. And then another sloppy play by the Rangers deep in their own zone. D'Angelo has the puck behind the net and the Ranger net, and he just throws it in front. And I don't know what he was doing, but Lundqvist bails him out, makes a big save. Uh, the Rangers went the other way on the rush. They got it to Kako, who moved in on the right wing. It looks like he's going to shoot, but instead he passes in deep to Panarin. And Panarin finishes this, I would say, eight or nine times out of ten. And you could argue that Kako maybe put a little bit too much sauce on this pass. You know, I mean, he, he really kind of just flung it over there to him. But Panarin, more often than not, far more often than not, he is going to finish this opportunity. And again, I know that we want Kako to shoot more, but I'm going to defend him again on this one because... He was moving in on the right wing, and Gibson came way, way up in his crease to kind of meet him, kind of close off any of the shooting lanes that Kako had. And if Kako, if he hits this pass, which for the most part, it was a pretty accurate pass to Panarin, and Panarin just couldn't quite handle it. But if the Rangers connect on this pass, it is a guaranteed goal because Gibson is so far up in his crease and so far out of the net that if anybody, Panarin or anybody else, gets this puck in the position that Panarin was in, it's going to be a goal. It's an easy tap-in. You'll never score an easier goal in your life. Unfortunately, pass may be just a little bit too hard, and Panarin just can't quite handle it. But again, Panarin, this is a play he finishes eight or nine times out of ten, and and unfortunately, just not able to do so here. So there were two instances in this game where maybe Kako could have shot, but I'm going to defend him this time on passing in both of those situations. We talked about the one earlier, and then this one here again. If that pass is connected, it's a goal, and the Rangers are back on top at that point. But yeah, just not a good period overall for the Rangers. You know, way too many turnovers, way too much sloppy play in their own end, a particularly egregious goal given up. And they just got to be better than this. Now, the good news here is, if you're, again, going to be a glass-half-full Ranger fan, now, yes, they got thoroughly outplayed in this period. They were outshot 18-3. to However, here we are. It's still just tied 2-2. to And honestly, as bad as that period was, I was still liking the Rangers' chances at this point because they kind of weathered the storm despite not, not playing good hockey at all. They hung in there. They only gave up the one goal. They somehow, you know, they bent, but they didn't break. And we know how good this team has been in the third period this season. So still have a chance. And you have an opportunity here, again, to win three out of four games on this road trip. And you have to win ugly sometimes in the NHL. Not every single game and every single victory is going to be a work of art. You know, it's hockey. You know, it's not supposed to always be pretty. And at this point, you're just hoping the Rangers can kind of just grind their way to a win. Just win one period here and go home you know, winners of three out of four and feeling great after this road trip. So we go to the third period and the Rangers look like a new team here. I'm not sure who spoke up in the locker room or what exactly was said, but the Rangers playing with a lot more speed, a lot more urgency. They're actually winning some puck battles and they're forcing the Ducks back on their heels. There were a couple times early in this third period where the Rangers were kind of buzzing in Anaheim's zone and the Ducks would survive it. But by the time they got control of the puck, all they could do was gain the red line and just dump it into the Rangers zone and then go off for a change. And if you want a way to limit scoring opportunities for some of your opposition's most dangerous lines, that's the way to do it. Play on their side of the ice because the Ducks, even their best lines here, you know, their top six forward types, all they could really do was just kind of skate the puck out of their own zone. And by then they were exhausted because they were back on their heels and having to play defense. And all they could do really was just dump the puck into the Rangers zone and then go off for a line change. So really a great start here for the Rangers. 
And the Rangers go back up on top when D'Angelo passes from behind his own red line to Zibanejad in the neutral zone. Now, Zibanejad has a defenseman, you know, draped all over him. He's really being aggressive, trying to get the puck away, but Zibanejad just not going to be denied here. He makes a beeline, basically diagonally, right across the left circle, right to the net, shoots and scores. It gets through Gibson, 3-2 to two Rangers very early in the third period. So, once again, another quick strike by Zibanejad here, and a great pass from Tony D'Angelo to set it up. Lundqvist made a couple of big saves in the minutes that followed. You know, the Ducks starting to get a little bit of a push here. Lundqvist moved hard to his left to deny Comtois and then turn the puck aside and then a scramble in front of the Ranger net, but Henrik gets on top of the puck. The Rangers, plus 14, by the way, in the third period at this point, second best in the NHL. Lundqvist is under a lot of pressure here, but so far rising to the occasion here in the third period. And then the Ducks really, they had the better play for a while here. They're pushing hard to try to get the equalizer. And then I thought this line of, it was McKaig, Buchnevich, and Hedl. And I don't know if they officially changed to these three playing together at this point in the game or if it was just kind of like a partial line change and these were the three that were out there. But they have a really, really good shift here. They got a couple of chances. McKaig got the puck in deep and just kind of shot it into Gibson. He couldn't. He couldn't get the angle that he wanted. You know, he was along the goal line and tried to put it home, but he was shooting from a really sharp angle. And like I said, just kind of put the puck right into Gibson. Couldn't quite put it home. But this shift with about 11 or 12 minutes to go here, put the Rangers back in control of this game for a while. Because before this shift happened, it looked like it was going to be about an 18-minute power play for the Ducks and just total chaos on the Rangers' side of the ice as the Ducks were looking for the equalizer. And once this shift happened, the Rangers really kind of took control going forward, at least until a penalty against Brady Shea a little bit later in the third period with about three minutes to go. But the Rangers, for the most part after this, really kind of took momentum back. They looked good, and it looked like they were kind of on their way to a win here. But it was an excellent shift by McKaig, Buchnevich, and Hedl. Curious to see what those three could do together. You know, again, it's just one shift, but I thought these guys played well down the stretch here. The next time that trio was on the ice together, Hedl carried the puck in deep and threw a pass back to the slot to Buchnevich, but Gibson made a really tough save and froze the puck. Rangers get a power play with 8.58 remaining. Unfortunately, they cannot convert. Not too many scoring opportunities there. Again, it was not a good night for these special teams units. But then with 3.11 remaining, Brady Shea takes a tripping penalty against Terry as the Ducks were going in on the rush. And for a while, you know, they did all right. I thought this was a good penalty kill for a while here. But Lindholm ends up taking a shot from the blue line, and it just gets right through Lundqvist. And I, I again, I, I know we talked about this in the intro. I'm not sure what happened here. It might have slightly defected off of the stick of Ryan Lindgren, but even if it did, the puck didn't really, you know, slow down or change directions all that much. If it did get Lindgren's stick, it just got a, the tiniest of pieces of it. And Lundqvist, you know, it's a save he's got to come up with. And he wasn't able to do it. And just like that, we are tied. And the game goes to overtime. The Rangers start the overtime period with Zibanejad, Panarin, and D'Angelo. Kind of a weird play where Zibanejad and D'Angelo collide. And then there's a battle for the puck along the boards. Rangers briefly get it back. They do a pretty nice job of maintaining possession and allowing the three guys to who started the overtime period to go off for a line change. The Rangers got far more opportunities in this overtime period than the Ducks did. Fox, with a strong drive, right up the center of the ice, went right around a pair of Ducks. They both kind of were looking for the pass, and instead Fox decides, hey, I'm just going to go right to the net. And Gibson, unfortunately, steers the shot aside with a save. Fowler moves up the center of the ice for the Ducks, and Lundqvist fights off that shot. But then Truba steals the puck, and it leads to a two-on-one with Hedl and Zibanejad. A little two-on-one, a little pitch and catch between Zibanejad and Hedl. So Zibanejad has the puck, and he weaves around a defenseman. And I've seen him do this a couple of times this year, where he'll basically trick the defenseman into going down onto his stomach to try to block the shot. 
and then Zibanejad, he won't shoot. He'll just kind of weave past him, wait for the defenseman to just kind of slide out of his way. And that's what he did here. And at this point, I'm thinking, game over. Zibanejad is going to bury this. But John Gibson, I mean, there's not much he can do. The guy made a great save, steered it away, and we're going to a shootout. So Panarin goes first for the Rangers. Gibson makes a save. Raquel goes for the Ducks. He goes in very wide and very slow, and Lundqvist just pokes it away from him at the last second before he can even take a shot. Zibanejad then, just a beautiful move. He goes in 22 for 50 in his career. He stick handles in front of the net. He makes a couple of quick moves and pulls the puck to his forehand and just tucks it home. Basically just completely undressed Gibson on this play. A great goal for Zibanejad. And then Max Comtois, he tries to go five hole and Lundqvist stays with him all the way. So after two rounds, the Rangers are up one to nothing in this shootout. So you have a chance to win it if D'Angelo scores and you've got a chance to win it again if Lundqvist makes a third save. And unfortunately, neither one of those things happens. Gibson stays with D'Angelo and makes the save. And then Case goes in with speed, brings the puck to his backhand and goes top shelf. The Rangers go with Capo Caco for round four. He tries to go five hole and it does not work. And then Jacob Silverberg goes backhand and goes top shelf to score and give the Ducks the win. Again, just kind of a heartbreaker here, man. You know, the Rangers had so many chances. They led pretty much the whole way or at least were tied. They didn't trail at all in this entire game until the shootout ended. There were a couple opportunities to win it, you know, they had the lead late in regulation and they couldn't close out. And then in overtime, they had a lot of chances there as well. And, you know, nothing that they did wrong, I don't think. Just Gibson made some excellent saves for the Ducks. And then again in the shootout, you had the advantage going into round three. So, so many chances to win this game and get the two points. I guess you got to give a little bit of credit to the Ducks for hanging in there. But it is disappointing because, you know, if the Rangers could have sealed the deal at any point here, they would have been going home with three wins in their last four games and six points out of a possible eight on the road trip. So disappointing that they couldn't get that done. But now they go home. They got a home tilt with the Nashville Predators on Sunday, and we'll see how that goes. And just for another quick update on Vitali Kravtsov, he has indeed been recalled from the KHL and assigned back to the Hartford Wolfpack. So we'll look forward to seeing how that goes. It's got to go better than it did the last time, of course. He was a healthy stretch with the team and got benched a couple of times for some poor play, some poor decisions in his own zone. But hopefully, you know, he can just kind of fine-tune his game and figure it out because I, I get the feeling at some point, despite all these hiccups, there's a decent chance we're going to see him on the Rangers at some point this season. And as far as the Rangers' goaltending situation goes, I mean, Igor Shesterskin just continues to light it up. He recently had a shutout for the team. And again, just, just video game numbers for Shesterkin. He now has a 1.81 goals against average with the Hartford Wolfpack to go along with a 9.36 save percentage and a pair of shutouts. And I know recently, you know, I campaigned for the Rangers to just kind of keep the status quo on the Rangers, keep rolling with Georgiev and Lundqvist and the hot hand approach. Georgiev clearly the one of those two with the hot hand right now. But I will admit, you know, the more Shesterkin does this and the more he just continues to stand on his head. If you saw some of the highlights too, it's not like, you know, he isn't facing a lot of shots or he hasn't really been challenged. No, he's making some excellent saves down there and it will get harder and harder to ignore this and not call him up to the Rangers. But yeah, I mean, at some point this year, I mean, you can only hold off Shesterkin for so long and, you know, maybe he comes up with the Rangers and continues to replicate this kind of success that he's had in the AHL. We'll see how they handle it going forward. It is, it is a challenging situation for the Rangers because, you know, again, you've got an aging icon in Lundqvist who has a no-move clause and has not played particularly great recently. He was injured recently. You've got Georgiev, who, you know, some people are saying, hey, maybe we trade him to make room for Shesterkin, but you don't want to do that to Georgiev because he's played great as well. And then you've got Shesterkin himself, who, again, there's not really much else he has to prove in the minor leagues. He's just kind of staying there. He's victim of circumstance right now. Uh, he 
clearly, I think, looks to be ready for the NHL level. And that's not to say that there wouldn't be any hiccups whatsoever if he joined the Rangers, but what else is there to do in the minor leagues for him? That, that's a fair question to ask at this point. And yeah, you know, given everything that's happened recently, I will be very, very surprised if anyone but Alex Georgiev is in net for the Rangers on Monday night against the Predators. And really, if Georgiev plays another great game, if he goes out there and he pitches a shutout or he gives up just one or two goals, makes a bunch of saves, stand on his head, does all that stuff, then I think he's your starting goalie going forward. He has played well enough, especially recently, that he has a chance that if he goes out and has another great game on Monday, then maybe he'll be back in for the Rangers next game on Friday. And if he continues to play well through all of that, he has a chance to really just kind of take this starting job and run with it. And at that point, Lundqvist might be relegated to a backup. It won't be so much of a high-hand approach anymore, and it'll be more of Georgiev is the starter and Lundqvist is the backup. And I'm not saying that as a slight against Lundqvist, but Georgiev has been very, very good. And when you look at this season, we're more than a third of the way through now, and Georgiev's got Lundqvist beat across the board. Any any stat you want to look at, any number you want to you want to go with, Georgiev's got the advantage. And it's more than just the numbers, you know, just the eye test. You know, Georgiev just looks a lot sharper than Lundqvist right now. Georgiev really starting to come into his own, and I think the Rangers right now, they really got to find out what they have in him. Because again, I talked about this in the last episode. I don't think the Rangers should be trading Georgiev and let him go out there. Listen, he's also doing this. This is something I didn't even mention in the last episode. Georgiev is doing all of this with that cloud kind of hanging over his head that he could be traded. I mean, I know players try not to pay too much attention to that noise, but it's got to seep into the room at least a little bit, right? I mean, Georgiev, he's not dumb. He's got to know the situation. I think he knows who Igor Shosturkin is. I, he obviously knows who Henrik Lundqvist is. So he has to know that... You know, it is possible that he could be playing on a different team sometime later this season, and he's still playing excellent hockey for the Rangers. So I say at this point, you run with Georgiev, you just keep pushing him out there, you see what you've got with him, and find out maybe this is maybe this is somebody who could become a big-time goalie for you. Maybe he's a guy who's going to be here for a lot of years after this. you got to find out, and the only way to find out is to put him on the ice, and certainly I think he will be once again between the pipes against the Predators on Monday. So that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, if you have a question for the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Give us a follow on there, and you'll be notified immediately whenever a new episode drops. We'll be back here on Monday with a new episode. Going to find something to talk about, and then on Tuesday we'll come back likely, and talk about the game against the Predators. Hopefully another two points for the Rangers. So thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.